You know when I come in? Is it now? There's nothing <laughs> worth more. No thing can compare. You're our living home. Your presence, Lord. I'm just singing this, ain't I? Are you always singing? I think it's just me. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Amen. Isn't it good to be here this morning? I mean, what an honor to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And I am so grateful to be here at Main Street. It's been a long time since I've been here. And uh, so many people here that uh, I have already talked to this morning that have invested in my life over the years. I've got school teachers here, and I apologize to every single one of you uh, in advance. I'm glad that you found out I was here and hung around to stay with us today. That means a lot. Uh, but just a lot of people here that I have grown to love over the years. And uh, I want to get right into the message this morning. Um, I'm excited because sometimes you study something, you really don't know how worship's going to go. You don't really know uh, exactly the theme of the service. But we understand that God uh, literally has his hand on every detail of everything that's happening this morning. Is that right? Amen. And that is no different than this morning. In fact, I didn't even know till the middle of the week that I was going to be here this weekend. Uh, but God had already made plans on what was going to happen here today. And I say that because uh, the message that God has stirred my heart with this morning, uh, it, it really just kind of goes along with a lot of the things that's already been said, uh, a lot of the songs that have already been sang. In fact, uh, I, I wrote down a couple things as I was sitting there just a moment ago that I've already heard come out of somebody's mouth that just speaks volumes into what God has laid on my heart for this message today. Uh, when Brother Lonnie was praying, uh, he made this statement in his prayer. He said, let all that's going on in the world, he said, he said, God, you are still in control. 
Can you just think about that for a moment in all that's going on in the world? Lonnie said, God, you are still in control. Uh, And then one of the worship leaders made this statement as he was opening up. Uh, He said, let us find who we are in Christ. All of the hope, all of the joy, and all of the peace that is in our heart, may it be found in Jesus Christ today. I'm preaching this morning with the help of the Lord uh, on standing in grace today. Uh, As we begin to look, and I'm going to read just a couple verses here in a minute, but I want to lay the groundwork uh, for what Paul tried to establish to us. Uh, Because I believe that when Paul was speaking to the church at Rome, uh, that that was the central theme of his message, uh, was that with all that's going on in the world, we understand that God is still in control. Uh, And that any hope that we have, any joy that we experience, uh, any peace that we uh, know in our hearts today will only be found in one place. It's not in government. uh, It's not uh, in the things of the world. It's not in the pleasures of the world. But all that we know uh, to be holy and godly today is found in one place and one place alone. And his name is Jesus today. Uh, There was a man, the Bible said, that uh, we began to hear about. Paul's speaking about this guy uh, from the Old Testament. And uh, in in chapter number 4 of Romans, I'm going to be in chapter number 5 today, Uh, but as we look at Romans chapter number 4, Paul begins to uh, tell a story about this guy uh, by the name of Abram. And you know Abraham, you know the story of his life, Uh, and we know that Abram in a time that uh, there wasn't a lot of people trusting and following God, in fact there was hardly anybody at that time uh, that was trusting and put their faith in God, Uh, the Bible said that Abraham did exactly that. And he followed God everywhere that he went and everything that God said uh, that he was obedient to all things. And the Bible said that uh, God literally took his life and made something of it that uh, the whole earth was going to be blessed with. I mean, everybody around Abraham, uh, every place that his foot went, every generation that came after him, God said, I am going to multiply uh, your seed as the the sands of the sea and the stars of heaven. Isn't that an amazing thing today? But isn't it more amazing this morning that God pinned all of that down and passed it on to you and I? Let me read to you what it said, and I wasn't even going to read this. They don't have this to put up, so just bear with me for a moment. Uh, The Bible says, now, it was not written in verse 23 in chapter 4, it was not written uh, for his sake alone, uh, but that it was imputed unto him. uh, But verse 24 says, but for us also, he wrote all of these things down, So that every person sitting here this morning that are praying for the things that are going on around us and all of the hardships that we have and everything that we face uh, and praying for uh, what's going on in Boston and how God is planting a church there uh, and he sent a team from here uh, to help bless them uh, to help us know today that what God did for Abraham uh, he can still do for us today. Aren't you glad of that this morning? Uh, But here's what the Bible said. Uh, As Paul began to tell us this story, uh, he quickly makes a transition uh, into the life that we live today. And here's what he said. Uh, In verse 25, he said, Who was delivered for our offenses, uh, and he was raised for our justification. You know who he's talking about. Uh, He's talking about Jesus. That's very obvious. Uh, But here's what Paul was trying to do. Uh, Paul was trying to draw us into the idea uh, that we still in spite of everything that's going on today uh, that we still have a place that we can stand today and that place is grace in verse number uh, 1 of chapter number 5 he said therefore uh, being justified by faith he said we have peace with God uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ watch this uh, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand Uh, Paul said if you think that's good 
good. He said, if you think what Abraham went through and all that God blessed him with, he said, if you think that's good, he said, just imagine that you, because you believe on Jesus Christ, who died for your sins and rose the third day, because of that, you are drawn into this plan that God is going to bless you and you've got a place in the day that we stand. We've got a place that we can stand and that place is grace. He said, but in verse number three, and not only that, he says it gets better. He said, we can joy in tribulation. Now, I'm not going to read all of these verses, but the one thing that I would tell you today is that you should go back and read them because the book of Romans is the constitution of Christianity today. It's what tells us everything that we have and everything that we can experience because who we are in him today. And Paul's message was very clear. It was that our relationship with God is based solely and primarily 100% on God's love for us. Can I tell you this morning that the theme of the Bible today is not your love for him, but it is his love for you today. And that's why that we can stand in grace this morning. We can stand in the unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor of God today because God does not feel love. God does not do love. God does not even give love. The Bible said that God is love today. God is the personification of love. Brother, listen, when you look at God, what you're seeing is the essence of love in its purest form today. And it's that grace, it is that love that we as children of God have got to learn to stand in. If we ever want to experience everything that God desired from the foundation of the world for you and I to experience, if we ever want to know the type of relationship that God had in mind from the very beginning that he wanted to be in with you, then you must learn and understand that everything that we are and everything that we ever hope to be is not based on what we can do or what we have done, but it's all based on the love of Jesus Christ that was shed on us today. Now, Paul, in in these later verses, he makes a comparison and he begins to describe to us how that Jesus died on the cross. And do you know what he died for? He died so that we might be reconciled unto God. But can I tell you today that not only did he die, but the Bible said that he rose again. And here's what Paul said. He said, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, uh, he said, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And so it was his death uh, that brought us to him, uh, but it is his life uh, where we find life of our own today. Uh, You see, God did not save any person uh, just to take us to heaven. You realize that? God didn't just save us so we could punch our ticket and get there one day. Uh, But God saved us so that we might have life. But according to John chapter number 10, uh, we don't only get life, but we get life more abundantly today. Amen. And it's that abundant life uh, that I'm preaching about this morning. Uh, Standing in grace today and knowing that everything that we are uh, is not because of our love for Him, uh, but it's because of His love for us today. And I've understood something. Uh, There's a narrative in the New Testament uh, that points us to the fact that uh, those that were closest to God and those that understood uh, their relationship with God best, they understood. Uh, listen that uh, it was not uh, about how much they could love him uh, but it was about how much he loved them Uh, I mean they seemed to be preoccupied uh, with his affection on them today do you know how many people today that are in churches just like this this morning and you sit here in a place of guilt and shame uh, because of the kind of life that you've lived 
And we have cowered uh, in the face of fear uh, because we think that we haven't lived good enough. How many of us here today uh, believe that we could ever live good enough to merit the favor of God? But would we be honest this morning? That's how we act sometimes uh, because we uh, have done something maybe that we know we shouldn't have done. Uh, We think that God is mad at us. Amen. Uh, Can I tell you that before you were saved, you could not do enough to earn the favor of God? And we often say that uh, this is not a work salvation. Do we believe that today? Uh, But somehow after we get saved, uh, in our minds, we kind of turn it into that. Uh, Let me tell you a story uh, about about somebody in the Bible uh, that uh, literally they valued their relationship so much with God, uh, not because of how much they loved Him or what they could do for Him, uh, but because they understood His love for them. And if we ever stand in grace, that's where we have to get to. We know the story about uh, Lazarus. Uh, The Bible said that uh, Lazarus was on the doorstep of death. I mean, he was literally at a place uh, where they knew that he wasn't going to live very much longer. And his sisters, Mary uh, and Martha, uh, they were, uh, the three of them were very close to Jesus. In fact, uh, some of the last days of Jesus' life uh, was spent exclusively uh, with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And the Bible said that uh, Lazarus was on the doorstep of death. And they knew that at that moment they needed a miracle. Uh, They needed a healing. Uh, They needed deliverance. And they understood that if they were going to get that, that something dramatic was going to have to happen. Now, uh, as they understood that Jesus was just a few miles down the road, they decided, uh, we're going to send a message to Jesus. Now, uh, they literally wrote out a note, and they, t- they sent it with a runner, uh, that he might go to where Jesus was, uh, deliver the message, tell Jesus that uh, Lazarus is down here, what's going on, uh, and we need you to get down here just as fast as you can get here, uh, so that you can help us and heal Lazarus. Lazarus. And so they wrote out this letter. And when they wrote the letter, you would think that when they were going to tell Jesus uh, that we need you to come and intervene on Lazarus' behalf, uh, they start the letter out and they said, Lord, and uh, as they appealed to God, uh, I would imagine in my mind that the very next thing that they would say uh, is, Lord, Lazarus. You know, Lazarus, the one that's always in the synagogue, he's always praying. Uh, Lazarus, the one that uh, is doing his best every day to live for you. I mean, if I were praying for uh, somebody in my family, I, uh, I, I, and I've done this before, and I uh, pray and I say, Lord, uh, 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 my family member or my friend, uh, they've been a good Christian. I mean, they're one of the ones that has always served you. Uh, They are faithful in their life. Uh, They read their Bible. Uh, They pray the way they ought to. Uh, They give in the church. Uh, They give in the community. Uh, I mean, I would appeal, and I have done this, uh, to all the things that they have done for God. But that's not at all what Mary and Martha did. Uh, They said, Lord... Lazarus, whom you love. Isn't that amazing this morning? That when they went to God or went to Jesus on Lazarus' behalf, they did not appeal to how much Lazarus had done for him, but they spoke of how much he loved Lazarus. Do you know what they understood? I mean, the very theme of their relationship was not based 
on how much Lazarus loved him, but it was based on how much he loved Lazarus. And I wonder this morning, uh, in, in, in our lives uh, today, how many of us think that uh, our relationship and everything that it involves today uh, is based primarily and solely uh, on how much we can do for him. I wonder how many of us today, uh, when we look at our lives, we think that uh, we're either this close or we're this far away uh, because of how we've lived our life. And I'm not taken away from the fact that we need to live right, uh, we need to live holy. Uh, but what I'm telling you today is this, that uh, I can't live good enough to earn it. Uh, I can't live bad enough to uh, cast it away. The Bible says uh, that... God has me in the palm of his hand and that there has never been any person that he's had in his hand that's ever been able to be plucked out. Isn't that amazing today? And Lazarus, under, or Mary and Martha, for Lazarus' sake, they understood that. Uh, that if we're uh, going to appeal uh, to him on behalf of Lazarus, let's remind him how much he loves Lazarus and not all the good things that Lazarus has done for him. John wrote that in John chapter number 11. John, coincidentally, is also the one that when you would have met him, he had a way of referring to himself. He says, I'm John, the disciple whom Jesus loves. Um, some of you don't know me today. If you were to come here this morning and introduce yourself to me, and I say, hello, my name is Greg. I am the one that Jesus loves. You would say, what an egotistical preacher that Pastor Wayne invited to come speak this morning. And I don't blame you for that. I mean, we would look at that and we would think, my goodness, what kind of guy does he think he is? I mean, uh, does he think he's the only one uh, that Jesus loves? Uh, but not one time or not two times, but five times in the Bible, uh, the, John refers to him as John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. As if uh, all of the disciples that were there, Jesus could care less about them. Uh, he thought he was the one that was at the very center of attention. Uh, he thought he's the one uh, that he loves the most. And I don't know about the other disciples. I don't know what they thought. I don't know uh, what John thought that Jesus thought about them. But I know this, uh, that when John looked at himself, uh, he saw his relationship with Jesus uh, in such fashion that he understood uh, that I don't get to follow him uh, because I've been good. I don't get to follow him uh, because I have earned it. Uh, but John understood I'm following him because he loves me today. Amen. And I'm telling you, that's why every one of us gets to follow him today. Uh, it's not because of what we've done or who we've been, but it's all because he loves us today. He doesn't love us because we're good. He, uh, he loves us because He's good today. John said, I am the disciple whom Jesus loved. And I'm going to tell you how true that was. It was good enough that God said, I'm going to put it in my Bible today. So you can look at John and think anything you want to. But God said, that's true. I do love him. He is this apple of my eye. He, he does have me in the palm of his hand. Uh, God looked at John. He said, I do love you. Let me tell you something this morning. Every person here, uh, regardless of what you've done, where you've been, or any of that, I'm telling you, uh, there might be some things you need to repent for. There might be some things you've got to work on in your life. Uh, but you'll never do anything to cause God to quit loving you today. And so, uh, in a time that we live in, we have got to learn to stand in unmerited, unearned, undeserved grace today. We have got to learn to stand in this place that we have got no reason, 
no quality to be able to stand in today. There is absolutely zero reason that any person here today ought to be able to even lift your hands toward heaven and praise God outside of what he's done for you today. Amen. Uh, John uh, understood that very well. Uh, Mary and Martha, they got that. Uh, But there was people, even in the Bible times, that did not understand that. I mean, you might remember Peter in the book of John. I mean, John just keeps seeing this theme over and over again. Uh, Peter, when uh, he messed up, uh, when he uh, denied Jesus, as Jesus predicted he would do. Do you remember what happened? Jesus went off. Went to the cross. Last contact made between he and Peter was Peter denying him. Sees Jesus, caught crows, and forever. Peter's life would be different. Peter spent days as Jesus was crucified and Put in the grave for days. Peter sulked in his misery because he thought, he thought, I really messed up. He thought, as much as he has done for me, as good as God has been to me. As close as I have walked with Jesus. And I failed miserably. And when Jesus came back to visit a few days later. He went looking for Peter. But you know what Peter said? When he got in the presence of the Lord. He said I can't be here. He said I'm going fishing. He thought because of what he had done. He thought because of uh, the actions that, uh, that, that uh, had presented themselves in his, themselves in his life. They, he thought because uh, I messed up and I failed and I, uh, and I failed miserably uh, that surely uh, he can't love me like he loved me a few days ago. Surely I'm not uh, the same in his eyes today. And he went fishing. But you know what Jesus did? Uh, Jesus pursued after him. Uh, Jesus kept going to where he was. And finally he drew Peter back into himself And he explained to Peter uh, Peter I don't love you uh, Because of who uh, Because of who you are, think you are Or what you've done uh, I don't love you or dislove you Because uh, of the, the sin in your life Or because of how good you've been He said but I'm allowing you to stand in grace The unmerited favor of God uh, The undeserved love of God I allow you to stand in grace today uh, Not because because of how much you love me but because of how much I love you today. Uh, John 3.16 and whoever's going to sing get ready to come. Uh, John 3.16 uh, said for God so loved the world. Uh, understand that God loved the broken system of this world so much. That he gave his only son. He did not give his son to a world that proved themselves worthy. He did not send his son into a society that loved him first. But the Bible said that God so loved sinful humanity that had trespassed against him, uh, that failed against him, uh, a world that the system was absolutely broken. God loved them so much that he sent his only son to die for them. If I could talk to God, I would explain to him, God, this is illogical for you to do. You're, I mean, I live in this world. I know how this is going to end. They're not going to love you back. God, you're not going to That love will not be reciprocated. I mean, you will not get back near what you give them. God, you should just think about that. But I already know what God would say. God would say, I I already love them. 
I have loved them from the foundation of the world before they knew that they even existed. Uh, before uh, they were conceived in their mother's womb. Now, I already love them. And I don't love them because of what they're doing, but uh, I love them even when they were sinners when, uh, because he commended his love for us and that while we were sinners, while we were enemies, while we were outcasts, that Christ died for us today. I wonder this morning, how many people in this room today You have lived your life. There was a time that you were just so on fire for God because you understood what God done for you. But there's moments of weakness and there's times of lapse when you just kind of fade back and you go back to that way that you came from and maybe you uh, look back there, maybe you touch back there. But you somehow that guilt and that shame in your life have more of a presence today than the love of God does. Can I tell you this morning, that's not what God desires. God wants to love you today. God wants to wrap you up in his arms this morning. And he wants you to understand, regardless of what you've done and regardless of where you've been, that he still loves you. And that the day that we live in society, as bad as it is and as wicked as things are around us, that we have a place that we can stand. And if we ever want to experience the fullness of God in our lives, and we ever want to be to that in that place where we experience God like we we have never experienced him before. The only way you do that is to learn to stand in the unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor of God. Standing in grace today. As we stand and they sing, if you need... Amen. <clears throat> Good to be back in second service today. We were here in the first service and uh, had a wonderful time. <clears throat> the song that they just sang made the statement, Holy Spirit, thou art welcomed here. And I would love to say this morning that I think that is true. Let me say that first of all. But unfortunately for a lot of us in our lives... We don't um, respond that way this morning, and I want. I, and that's what I kind of want to speak to this morning. Uh, and and I was and that song just gripped my heart as they were singing it, and and, and it reminded me of how God has uh, burdened me for this service this morning. And as Wayne called this week and, and asked me if I would come, and uh, the, in the first service this morning, I, I spoke about standing. Uh, in grace, in the unmerited favor of God, something that uh, we do not deserve, something that we did, did not earn, and something that we cannot merit based on anything that we can do. And I think we would all agree uh, with that this morning, that there's nothing that we can do to merit the favor of God. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes in our lives, we live our, our lives that way, that uh, we think that we get saved by nothing that we do. It's not uh, of works, lest any man should boast. That is a Bible verse, and uh, we have all quoted that for years. But uh, for some reason, after we get into the uh, family of God and we're saved by the unearned favor of God and we're saved by that grace, uh, we shift our thinking into believing somehow that we need to do enough to stay in God's good graces. You follow me this morning? I want you to look with me, if you would, at Proverbs chapter number uh, 24. I'm just going to read one verse, and I'm not even going to read that whole verse. Just one verse in Proverbs chapter number 24. You uh, have heard the name Solomon uh, in reference to the Bible. He was, uh, by all accounts, the wisest man that ever lived. You heard that, right? 
the richest man, the wisest man that ever lived. And I think that it would do us well this morning that uh, we would heed to his counsel uh, in anything that he says. And I find uh, this particular verse very interesting uh, as I read it. And I, I was uh, actually preparing for uh, uh, another part of the message when I uh, came across this verse. And I thought this would be the verse that I uh, wanted to launch from this morning. So uh, I, I'm, I'm going to speak on another story, but I want to start here this morning uh, in Proverbs chapter 24, uh, verse number 16. Notice what he says. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. Did you hear what Solomon said? A just man, what does he do? Now, before you answer that, understand that that's not the way we see it sometimes in our churches. Uh, Sometimes we look at somebody that falls and uh, somebody that stumbles along their journey uh, and we look at them and say, boy, how unholy they are, how unrighteous they are. Uh, I, I, I'm afraid today that when we look around us and we see the, uh, we see the landscape of our own lives today, uh, we judge ourselves based on how good we've lived for God. But I want you to notice what Solomon said. And I am so thankful, and I think every one of us uh, that sit here this morning can say amen to this. I am so thankful today uh, that Solomon included this in his writings uh, when he said, If you fall, if you stumble, if you find yourself in a place uh, that you have not been everything that you would hope to be, uh, he says, Do not count yourself unrighteous. He said, A righteous man, a just man, uh, falls seven times, uh, but every time he falls, what does he do? He rises back. Back up, and that's uh, what I want to speak on this morning: is getting back up today. Uh, do you know what we need in, in, in our communities and especially in our whole uh, our country as a whole uh, more than we need anything else today, more than we need uh, another government reform or another government program? Uh, do you know what we need today? Uh, we need the people of God to be the people of God today. Uh, we need the church, as the song we sang a few minutes ago, uh, we need the church to rise up this morning and to be what God intended for it to be today. Uh, But do you know why sometimes we lack in that? Uh, Because we have got this mindset that uh, when we fall, that we're of no value to God anymore. Uh, You may be here this morning, and uh, you may find yourself in that place. Uh, Maybe you've stumbled and you've fallen, uh, but I want to remind you today, and I want to encourage you to understand this morning, uh, that regardless of how bad you failed, and regardless of how many times you stumbled uh, that the Bible says that uh, those that rise up again uh, that those are the just people the just uh, according to God and this verse today uh, are not those that can live uh, holy lives those that uh, can live better than everybody else it's uh, not because they sing in the choir it's not because they're on the praise band Uh, it's not because they're the pastor of this church Uh, but you know what causes people to be just Uh, Do you know what causes people to be righteous? Uh, Is that when they do fall uh, through the help of God, uh, they can rise back up again. And boy, do we need that today in the generation that we live in. Uh, We just need some people uh, that have stumbled along the way uh, to look at God and understand uh, that I am who that He says I am today. Uh, I can be what He says I can be. Uh, I'm every Everything that the Bible promised me that I could be this morning. Not because I stumble, not because I fall, but because I rise up again. Uh, There's a character in the Bible that uh, I think that for my life I could identify with probably more than uh, anybody else in the Bible. Uh, A lot of you here could uh, say that you could identify with this man. Uh, We know him as Peter. Uh, And what we know about Peter's life was uh, that every time he turned around, you know what he found himself doing? Stumbling. 
Uh, he was always finding himself in a predicament that he didn't mean to be in. Uh, but every time uh, that he did that, uh, the, the, the difference in his life was uh, that he was able to rise up again. Uh, we find the story in uh, Matthew chapter number 14. The Bible said that uh, they were out on the sea one night. Uh, and Jesus comes and uh, he's walking on the water. Uh, and as, they, uh, as he approaches the boat that the disciples were in, uh, they they were in amazement. Some of them were still wondering who it was, uh, but Peter knew exactly who it was. And he said, and he made this statement. He said, Lord, if it be you, he said, bid me that I may step out of this boat uh, and walk on the water and come to where you are. Now, you would agree this morning that that, uh, that, that would be a pretty amazing thing if Peter was able uh, to step out of the boat uh, that was securing him from the water uh, and sinking and literally put his foot on water and begin to walk to where Jesus was. Would you agree uh, that that would be a pretty amazing feat for Peter to be able to do that? Uh, but that's exactly what he did. Uh, Jesus looks at Peter and, and with one word he says, Come. And Peter steps out of the boat and his feet are standing on top of the water I mean this is ridiculous that he can walk on water uh, because Jesus said to come. And let me say to you this morning that when Jesus tells us uh, that we can do something, it may sound ridiculous and it may be ridiculous to everybody around us, uh, but when we have, uh, when we have permission uh, from the Son of the living God, we can do anything uh, that God tells us we can do today. Amen? And he steps out of the boat to go to where Jesus is. But as he begins to walk, we know the story of what happens next. The Bible says that he takes his eyes off Jesus and uh, with all the distractions around him, he begins to sink. And as he's sinking, he cries out and he said, Lord, save me. And Jesus reaches out his hand and he picks Peter up out of the water and saves him as he's sinking to a sure death. And he takes Peter and they go back to the boat and they get back in the boat. And at this point in the story, uh, what I imagine in my mind uh, is that as they get back in the boat, Peter uh, has, uh, has just sank in the water. I mean, he'd done something pretty incredible, and he took a step or two on the water. But just like us, he got distracted, and he sinks. And Jesus has to, one more time, reach out and save Peter and bring him back out of his sinkingness. And he puts him in the boat. And I would imagine at this moment that uh, Peter is soaking wet. I mean, he's dripping. Uh, he's probably uncomfortable. Uh, his clothes are wet. Have you, ever, have you ever had wet clothes? Maybe been to the lake and been on a boat and your clothes are wet and you're about to go back. Uh, the, you just want to get back to shore. I mean, is that not the most uncomfortable thing you've ever experienced? And here's Peter. Uh, he's, uh, I would imagine that he goes back to the boat. His clothes are soaked. And what I expect to happen next is something like this. That Peter would get back in the boat. And he would find him a place somewhere in the back of the boat and sit down. And maybe the disciples would come to him and say, Well, Peter, you tried. You, 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 you gave it your best shot. Uh, we, uh, we know you're uncomfortable and you probably don't want a, a, a pep speech now. And uh, we, we'll just save that for later. We'll get you back to land. We'll get you some clothes. We'll get you cleaned up. And we'll get you dried off. And uh, everything, will, uh, everything will work out in the end. But uh, we're sorry. That's not at all what the Bible said. The Bible said that uh, when they got back to the boat, that the wind ceased and they were all amazed. And that 
Everybody in the boat began to worship and praise God uh, because uh, at at His command, uh, the winds and the waves uh, died down and they understood at that moment that Jesus was simply amazing and everybody in the boat, including Simon Peter, worshiped Jesus. And in the next few verses, the Bible said that uh, the boat reached where it was going, and they got off the boat, and they went to uh, where they were to the city of Gennesaret, uh, and all of the people of that place uh, came around uh, so that they might touch Jesus, and the disciples began to minister to the people. Do you, do you understand that Peter, at that moment, he still soaked. He's still dripping. Uh, there's, uh, I mean, that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, in our culture today, uh, you know what we would have said to Peter uh, when he got back in the boat? Uh, we'd have said, Peter, before you do anything else, make sure you dry yourself off. Because uh, we don't need any wet people. I mean, in the church today, that's kind of where we've been. Uh, we don't, when you, before you come, make sure you get yourself dried off. We don't need uh, any wet praise leaders. Uh, we don't need need uh, anybody singing in the choir that's sunk. Uh, We need people that are dry, uh, people that are clean. Uh, We don't need that here, so make sure you get yourself uh, fixed up before you come in here. But Peter got back to the boat, and he didn't sit there like we do sometimes and sulk in his own pity. But he understood that a just man sinks seven times. But every time he sinks, he comes back up. And he gets back in the boat. And he goes back to work. And I've come to tell you this morning uh, that though you have fallen and though you have sank, uh, though you stepped out of the boat uh, and you gave it your best shot, uh, but the things of the world maybe uh, got you distracted and got your attention, uh, I want you to know that uh, you don't have to sit in the back of the boat. You don't have to uh, sit there and sulk in your uh, sinkingness and uh, in your pity and in your shame uh, that there's still a place for you in the house of God today. I hope that Main Street, I haven't been here in a long time, I hope that Main Street is the kind of place that would open their arms to folks and that are wet and those that have sank in the waters and in despair and though they walk here and they come to this place and they're soaked and they're dripping and they're wet and maybe damp, I hope that Main Street is a place that Uh, says that we've had enough of all of that. Uh, We want everybody to come uh, in your sinkingness, in your wetness. We want you to be here uh, and understand that when we get to where we're going, there is a place for you today. Because let me tell you what I understand. That when we come here on Sunday morning, We may look around and think everybody looks good this morning. I mean, we've got our best on. We put Sunday going to meeting clothes on, didn't we? But I'm going to tell you something. There's some folks that have sunk this week. And some of you might not realize it, uh, but they, we, we have all walked in here uh, just a little bit damp, if not soaked and wet. Uh, we've all walked in here dripping from time to time. And do you know what we need? Uh, we need some folks that will understand that uh, it might be my week to be wet and next week might be your wet, week to be wet. But you know what we're going to do? Uh, we're all going to be wet together because uh, that's why, why uh, we do what we do this morning. The Bible says that uh, there is therefore now no condemnation to those uh, that walk in Christ Jesus this morning. I'm telling you that uh, we don't have to be condemned because the life that we live is not our life, uh, but our righteousness is found in Him today. Uh, Jesus goes to Simon uh, and He says, Peter, uh, He said, good job. You say, I thought He told him, ye of little faith. Uh, Let me say to you this morning, uh, at least Peter had some faith. Uh, There was 11 other disciples in that boat 
that weren't even willing to take a step. You know what they had? They had no faith that day. I would rather have a little faith uh, and step out of the boat uh, if I've just got to uh, take one or two steps in this life. Uh, I would rather do that for the glory of God uh, than to spend my life living in the safe zone of the boat uh, and never do anything for God today. I'm telling you, we need some risk takers in the house of God uh, that are willing to step out of the boat and understand that I might sink but if I can just take one or two steps uh, when I get back to the boat uh, I can still praise him today uh, because in all of my sinkingness uh, God is still good today that's what we need is some people that understand that it'll take some risk when we get out of the boat some of us are going to sink But Jesus was there, not to condemn him, but to bring him back up and to remind him that a just man falls seven times, but every single time he rises up again. I wonder this morning how many people that we've got at Main Street this morning that you've fallen, you've sank, you found yourself having to cry out one more time, Lord, I need you to save me. I thought I was doing good and everything was going right, but the next thing I knew, I had been distracted by something around me and I found myself sinking one more time. But do you know what the the amazing thing about God is? Is that His love is absolutely limitless today. Boundless love, we call it a lot of times. And he's there to save us every single time. I would imagine that Jesus told Peter, Peter, I know you sank, but you need to get prepared because if you don't if you'll notice land is right over here we're coming up on the city of Gennesaret and I told you guys when you were on the other side uh, to get into the boat and go to the other side uh, he, and, and, and you understand that Jesus had a purpose for what they were doing where they were going and what was getting ready to happen uh, he told them he said I need you to go from here to over there he came he come, uh, they get out there by themselves Jesus comes walking Peter gets out of the boat Peter sinks Jesus saves he puts him back in the boat they worship the Lord but There's something that's getting ready to take place that's absolutely phenomenal. They're getting ready to come to a place that there are people that need to be touched and need to touch Jesus. And the disciples were going to be the ones that would facilitate and help minister to every person that was in Gennesaret. And Jesus' message to Peter was simply this. Peter, you ain't got time to sit in this boat and to worry about how wet you are, about how many times you've sank. Peter, we've got work to do. Get yourself cleaned up. Get yourself dried off. When we get over there, there's people waiting on us. And I want to tell you this morning that whoever you are and wherever you are and wherever you sank and how many times you've sank and how many times you've had to cry out and you've had to ask him to come by and save you, I want to remind you that a just man, uh, a just man falls seven times, but every time he rises back up. Do you know why he rises back up? Because he understands that there's more work to be done, that Uh, He understands that there's people that are depending on him getting back up. Uh, When you get out of the boat and you sank, you need to understand we're still got people that are waiting us when we get to the land that we're going to. Uh, And so understand this morning there's a purpose, there's a reason, uh, and there is a calling this morning on every one of your lives today that if you've fallen you need to rise back up there uh, is a church in Boston that uh, you are responsible for that's why the mission team has gone to Boston this weekend Uh, you know what they need you to be they need you to be strong in the place that you are and rise up every time you fall today somebody come and get a song I'm going to give our invitation this morning
Ephesians goes in great detail about who we are in Jesus. Romans chapter 5 that we looked at this morning in the early service uh, talks about how that through his death we were reconciled to God. But it's not, it doesn't end there. His death brought us in, but his life is what gives us hope today. We live and we breathe and we have our being not in who we are, but in who he is today. And a just man, hear me and hear me well, a just person is going to fall. Every person is going to fall. Let me tell you what sets you apart this morning at Main Street Baptist Church. Is there going to be some of those people that fall, that say, I'm going to rise back up out of despair, out of where I am, and I am going to conquer because Jesus, the Bible said, has conquered every enemy of the world. They're all under his feet. And I, because of him, am more than a conqueror today. I wonder this morning, you've fallen, if you're willing to rise back up to meet the challenge and to get back to where God would desire for you to be this morning and enjoy the relationship with him that he intended for you to have today. As we stand and the choir sings, I would invite you this morning just to search your heart.